This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hi, this is Iana, Adeline, and Lija from the Padawan Report. And you're listening to the Scare Scuttlebutt Podcast. May the force be with you. Hey, Scuttle Buddies, welcome to another episode of the one and only, often imitated but seldom mastered Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. What's up, Brad? <laughs> if we're the original, <laughs> I can't imagine how the imitations are, but uh, I'm right? good. It, it is a, uh, it's a, it's a good time to be a Star Wars fan right now. We it got sure a lot of is, it sure is. A lot of good stuff, despite uh, uh, everything that everybody is going through. But uh, you know, uh, we've refam- we've reformatted our show. Um, that I think that was a great idea. I think folks are enjoying the shorter, quicker shows. I know I listen to shows while I'm driving to and fro. How's everything going, Brad? Good. Yeah, I just uh, started reading uh, Thrawn Ascension. That's that's good so far. Of course, it's Timothy's on, so you're not going to get anything bad. Out of Timothy Khan. I just started listening to the uh, new Alphabet uh, Squadron book. Um, So that's pretty interesting. The the first book I thought was all right, uh, but I think it's set up for a good sequel. So looking forward to uh, hearing that whole thing and finishing that up. And of course, I just started playing Star Wars Squadrons, which I've been somewhat uh, completely addicted to. And uh, looking forward actually to talking about Star Wars Squadrons on the Scuttlebutt. Uh, we're going to have Brad from the Force Losers and uh, Sean from MRC Tech on the show, and we're going to talk about Star Wars Squadrons and uh, video games in general. That is exciting. I know uh, they were excited in the DMs uh, getting together with us, uh, talking about the games. I just downloaded, or I guess I just paid for Squadrons for my son on his PC, so it'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun to uh, play that. And you were telling me it's uh, it's crossplay, so we'll be able to do a little uh, a little tag teaming, eh? Yep, as long as you have an EA account, you can uh, play with anybody on PC, uh, Xbox, or PlayStation. Awesome, awesome. Uh, looking forward to that. Um, I, I was never very good at those uh, single-player flight simulating, you know, simulator games, but uh, looking forward to this. I'll probably crash a couple times uh, and uh, cause you some uh, hours of entertainment there. Yeah, there, there's a lot of asteroids involved in that game, so you are going to crash. <laughs> Awesome. Can't wait for that. But yeah, those uh, those uh, upcoming shows, that, that's going to be a lot of fun. And uh, I reached out to uh, our friend Angela, who's a big gamer, and uh, wanted to see what her take is on what makes a game good. You know, we talk about all the games and some people complain about, you know, micro transactions and uh version issues uh squadrons i think is getting a lot of love but uh i really wanted to kind of uh you know examine you know especially with angela since she's a big gamer i just wanted to find out from her what you know what makes a game good um i know you know a lot of people finish games um you know relatively quickly and and that kind of makes them think that the game is not that great Uh, i've been playing need for speed uh, rivals since it came out it's it's obviously I, I can't remember when it came out but i you know it's one of those repetitive games uh mindless games where you just kind of drive around and race uh get try to get away from cops but it's i'm addicted to it and it's an old game and i just i just keep playing it over and over and over again so is it a good game maybe it was when it first came out i think it's still enjoyable um but uh really curious to find out what she has to say like i said she's a big gamer uh in that uh, gaming community and uh, we'll definitely have uh, a you know a short segment uh, talking to her about it. That uh, sounds really exciting. Really exciting. Yeah, and it's hard to put into words sometimes. You know, sometimes a game, you know, like Need for Speed or in this case Squadrons, just has the right feel to it, and you, and you can't really quantify that. But it just has the right feel to it. So I think, uh, you know, they they struggled with with the Battlefront games, but I think they they really did nail it with uh, Squadron. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that conversation. Excellent, excellent. And uh, before we get into our main topic, I wanted to give a special shout out to a longtime supporter, first time pa- Patreon subscriber, 
Jedi Caligula, our friend Amanda, who was a special guest with uh, Alex a while ago. I don't know if you remember, uh, we talked about, uh, or they talked about Palpatine and her connection to Rey, and this was uh, before the release of The Rise of Skywalker. So it's always fun to re-listen uh, or retro-listen to those shows, eh? Yep, and uh, Amanda's always been a great friend to, to us and to, to the podcast uh, since we started, I think. So uh, very, very thankful for that. Yes, we uh, thank you, Jedi Caligula. And uh, you know, I wanted to mention, too, before going into our main topic, we're recording tonight, October 11th. Uh, and I heard uh, uh, Ewan McGregor uh, doing an interview uh, overseas, and it looks like they're starting to shoot um, the uh, Obi-Wan series next May or so. It seems so far away. I know we're barely into October, and we have to wait uh, so long. I know we've had to wait for a long time for uh, other shows to kind of uh, you know, start production up again. We're lucky that um you know mandalorian was already uh they had finished shooting before all this covid stuff started happening so um you know if anybody is going to socially distance themselves it's editors and as an editor i i know that uh, it's a lonely job my friend it's a lonely job but uh i'm looking forward to that uh you looking forward to to a lot of the spin-off series on disney plus oh yeah i mean it if the Star Wars community needs anything right now, it is Obi-Wan and it is Ewan McGregor playing Obi-Wan. Um, you know, there, there's a few Star Wars, you know, uh, Mark Hamill with Lou Skywalker. Um, but I, I think Ewan McGregor embraced Obi-Wan. I'm, I'm going to go ahead on record and say it even more than Alec Guinness did. I think he was more on board. He, you know, he was striving to be Alec Guinness. Um, and I think in the process, he surpassed Alec Guinness in his portrayal of Obi-Wan. I think now when people think of Obi-Wan, they don't think of Alec. I think they actually think of Ewan McGregor. Hello there. It, it'll definitely be worth the wait. I totally agree. Totally agree. So uh, that is definitely going to be an enjoyable thing. I'm looking forward to the Cassian Andor series as well. You know, I, I hear some other rumors about Mace Windu and some other stuff. But, uh, you know, the ones that we know for certain, uh, definitely looking forward to that. But uh, we need uh, we need unification of the fandom, Brad. Unification. That's what we're here for. Comic books, yeah. You know, what about we, we comic books about, that uh, has you interested? I mean, we don't we don't talk about them too often uh, on the show here. I mean, we'll we'll make uh, you know references to them. Uh, we'll mention them briefly, um, but we never actually focus on. Them. I've um, I'm a bit of uh, I'm a what do they call them completionist. Uh, I have to have every bit of canon, uh, whether I particularly like it or not. Uh, I am the same with the comic books. Yeah, I still have the old Dark Horse Star Wars comics, um, which I still I'll still break those out and read them. Um, but with the Marvel comics, I, I am personally uh, compelled to to buy each and every one of them, even if they're not that great. But uh, I thought it'd be fun to talk about them. There are some good storylines, and what we wanted to do is uh, kind of bring attention to them, let people know that there is another medium out there that you can. Uh, embrace and uh, just just try it out. See if you like it. Uh, a lot of these stories, especially when you talk about authors like Charles Soule, um, you know they are just as good as uh, the the cartoons and uh, you know some of the TV shows out there. So um, you know I want to talk about them. We have four titles that we're going to talk about tonight. But uh, you know how about you, Ro? Um, how, how do you feel about comic books as part of the canon? Are they are they necessary? We've we've sort of talked about this before. Are they are they necessary reading for you, or do you think they're just fun little stories? Well, I want to backtrack and say that uh, you know, from uh, high school on through a little bit of college, I was a big comic book collector. I know I've posted on uh, Twitter how you know my my mother's home has just been sold, and I had to kind of move a lot of stuff that I had up there. And comic books, boxes and boxes of comic books, uh, were were part of that deal. Um, you know, so you know not only Star Wars, but you know a lot of Marvel comics. I wasn't too much of a DC guy, but uh, the uh, the Marvel Star Wars from the uh, you know late seventies and eighties, uh, um, and then when uh, Dark Horse took them over, and I really love. Uh, all of those titles, uh, you know, growing up and uh, as a young uh, comic book collector. As far as 
Um, I guess the the notion of of your question regarding are they necessary? I don't think they're a hundred percent necessary to be able to enjoy Star Wars, but it's uh, it's something that uh, you know you as a completionist, obviously as someone that likes to absorb all the medium, you enjoy it more than the next guy. But it, you know it does offer you certain points of view on certain things that happen. Um, you know, take a look at uh, you know we talked. Uh, back in May with Claudia Gray regarding, you know, Lost Stars and how that story kind of unfolded. It gives you a new way of looking at the original trilogy or the events of the original trilogy. And uh, it's it's very enjoyable, I think. Is it necessary? No, it's not necessary in order to enjoy the films. But, uh, you know, I've said it again, you know, in the podcast, the galaxy far, far away is so massive and so huge. There's so many characters and, and there's a richness of it that... Uh, I don't think those stories can be told in just one medium. So I'm glad that, you know, writers are writing about them in books and novels and graphic novels. Um, comic books, obviously, is is another medium for them. You know, uh, the, the small screen with uh, Disney Plus and some of the series that we are about to, you know, engage in. I think, um, you know, there is something for every Star Wars fan and uh, definitely comic books. Um, can offer you uh, a great way to to enjoy that narrative. Yeah, I kind of consider myself the uh, Jocasta New of of you know <laughs> Star Wars literature. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, if it doesn't exist in my uh, collection, it, it simply doesn't exist. Um, and uh, that's why I actually love Jocasta New. I think she's a she's one of those underrated characters out there. And the fact that she survived sure. Order sixty six that says something about her. Uh, would you Definitely. put any of any comic book characters up on the same pedestal or anywhere close? I'm, and I'm talking about original characters. Uh, would you put any of them close to the characters that we see, you know, on, on the big screen, or would you just consider them mostly side characters? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of side characters, but there are some main characters uh, in the comic books and novels that are are definitely worthy of being, you know, in the top echelon, as they say, of 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 characters. Obviously, you mentioned uh, Timothy Zahn. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Grand Admiral Thrawn, a very powerful character, a very deep character that he introduced and that we got uh, the privilege of seeing in action in the, uh, in the animated series. So, uh, you know, I really like the idea of the Inquisitors that uh, we see in some of the new comic books, especially the, uh, the Darth Vader series. Um, and obviously in the game, you've got the Inquisitors that uh, we were um you know treated treated with yeah i mean you know like i said the, the the galaxy is is such a large you know tapestry of characters and scenarios within this this realm that we all fell in love with that uh relegate even one character i mean you know even the smallest characters have uh, some sort of history to them which makes makes this universe just so great to kind of visit and 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 you know poke around in it's one of the strengths of of that uh, of this franchise, I guess. Yeah, and of course, there's a lot of people still uh, begging for a Doctor Afra series. We'll be talking about Afra here in a little bit, but uh, I think I, sure. I agree. I'm one of the people. I think it would be fun to see her up. Uh, I'm not sure about the the big screen, but I think she definitely has a home on Disney Plus, uh, whether it be animated or a live action show. I think that would be great. Um, one thing uh, readers will notice in the new comics is there are a lot of uh, references now to the high republic you know the high republic series was you know or that project was due out this year um but for uh, i think multiple reasons uh they pushed that back um but uh, there are a lot they were obviously already in the process of tying everything together uh with the high republic you know that it's hopefully getting people excited for that series i noticed they uh they only say high republic now did you uh you think uh, old old republic has been replaced in the vernacular by by high republic or is that just you know for the series that's coming out you know that's an interesting question because uh for me uh it, it is a little bit confusing um i had a, a friend of mine just uh, email me just uh, earlier today regarding the high republic the old republic and some of the uh, the cinematics in the in the game from uh, the old Republic game, um, you know, images, and you know, I I won't lie to you, it is a little confusing. I'm not sure where in the timeline it fits, but I think uh, somebody had asked that to uh, what's the the Matt uh, what's his name from the story group, 
So uh, if we can clarify it, is so the the uh, this takes place before the events of the old republic? No, it's actually much much more recent than that. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it's less than I want to say two hundred. Uh, it's either two or five hundred. I want I want to say I'm gonna put my money on two hundred again. One of our listeners will correct me um, on the exact, but I'm I'm fairly certain it's about two hundred years before the prequels. Uh, or somewhere in that two to five hundred range. So it's much more recent than what you see in the old Republic, either Kotor or the Swotor uh, online game. Much more recent than that. So that's why people think um, you know there might be Yoda appearances and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know if uh, High Republic is meant to refer to just a certain period in the Old Republic. Uh, old Republic just being everything before the the crash and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, or if High Republic is just meant to now take the place of the name Old Republic. I, I guess we'll see. We'll, we'll have to be patient on that one. But uh, they're definitely already making references to it, which I think is pretty cool. I do think it's cool. And, uh, you know, as far as changing the name, you know, I, um, I wouldn't be surprised that, uh, you know, if uh, Disney found out that the Old Republic was still you know a copyright of uh i don't know of, of either the the game people or george lucas himself i know you know george likes to play with uh, licensing it's uh it's his kind of his little trick there to uh, generate uh income um but uh i'm not sure it shouldn't be because they they uh they got rid of lucas arts and uh marvel got all the rights to the comic books because of course you have the dark horse series about the old Republic and Marvel got the rights to that. And of course they're owned by Disney. So it shouldn't be a licensing thing, but who, who knows how all that, that the money interconnected money work, money works. It, it could be that, but uh, as you, we'll, we'll as you, as you know, the saying, follow the money. Yep. <laughs> I've never said that before, except probably every day. So, uh, yeah, we're going to talk about uh, four, uh, four of the series that are out right now. These are the four biggest series. Obviously, you have uh, uh, Star Wars Adventures out there, which is a fun one, especially for the younger readers. And uh, there's a Clone Wars series out right now, so you can give that a try. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about uh, Bounty Hunters, uh, Aphra, Darth Vader, and the main Star Wars series. Bounty Hunters, uh, that'll be the first one we talk about. That's written by Ethan Sachs. Um, he's done some pretty good work for Star Wars the storyline that we're currently in is called Galaxy's Deadliest. If you're not familiar with the Bounty Hunter series uh, at all, it follows a bounty hunter. Uh, his name is Valence. Uh, he looks more, I mean, he's got a very Terminator look to him. Uh, half of his robotic face is always showing. And, uh, you know, it, there's a lot of parallels between uh, him and Vader. Both of them are more machine than man. Um, but uh, unlike Vader, he actually tries to maintain his humanity, whereas you know Vader just completely let that go. But uh, what you know, what makes this? Uh, some people might have recognized him. Valence was actually introduced all the way back in 1978 with those old Marvel comics that you were talking about, and uh, they sort of resurrected him uh, for the Marvel comics uh, storylines, both in the solo series, and then he got his own. Uh, his own line. And uh, so he's a pretty interesting character, quite the backstory on him. He's, uh, he's, he's very complex. And, you know, the storyline that we're in right now, it's something, it's one of those storylines has a lot of flashbacks in it, a lot of stuff going back 20 years. Uh, I think uh, fans will like this uh, because there's uh, interactions between uh, him and some of our favorite uh, bounty hunters in the galaxy, hence why it's called the galaxy's deadliest. He runs into Bosk and he runs into Boba Fett, uh, both of whom have no love for him. So there's some pretty good scenes between all those bounty hunters. Uh, I know you're 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 a pretty pretty big fan of uh, the bounty hunters like Fett and Bosk and stuff like that. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the covers has uh, that character on the cover. Uh, I think uh, you know in action and. Uh, it, he to me he looks like uh, there's a Marvel character in the X Men world uh, called Cable. Oh, 
Yeah, so he kind of reminded me of Cable a little bit. Like, at first glance, it was a little disjointing. I'm like, why is Cable fighting with Darth Vader uh, in this yeah. book? But um, I bought the first couple of issues of that. I'm not, it's a limited series, is it not? Uh, I'm not sure how long it's supposed to be going. Um, we're in I issue thought it was just, I th yeah, I think it's five. Yeah, um, this has been a pretty good, he's he's had a number of appearance, uh, appearances already, so I think if this one ends, they'll, they'll bring him back in, in, in another series. Um, but I think, actually, Cable is a really good uh, comparison for him. They're both that anti-hero type. Uh, they end up pretty much doing the right thing, but neither one of them wants to or wants to be in that position. So that's a pretty good, uh, but, you know, it's it's pretty action-packed, uh, but it is a, a complex storyline at the same time. Yeah, and there was a, a little controversy there with uh, uh, one of the bounty hunters uh, killing a uh, pregnant woman. Yeah, I mean, uh, so there, there's rough scenes there. Uh, I don't want to give too much away there, but uh, the reason for everybody... Oh, I, going, I just I just spoiled it. I just spoiled it, didn't yeah, I? No, no, not, not completely, not completely. There, there's some, <laughs> there, there's some I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been out for a while, so if you haven't read it, come on. Yeah, and so just, you know, now that you mentioned that, you know, a lot of these stories, uh, what happened was many of them started coming out before COVID, uh, and then uh, a lot of the, the continuations of the stories have uh, happened more recently. Their, uh, you know, production and release schedule was delayed because of COVID. So some of these stories have been go going on since the beginning of the year and uh, are finally getting caught up now. But yeah, there's definitely some controversy there in uh rough scenes but uh that, that's what gets everybody at each other's throats so you know i definitely recommend it. it's that's one of these uh stories I, i'd probably recommend waiting until it's in trade paperback format and then just getting the whole series together i think that's probably better than going out and trying to find individual comics yeah i think that's what i did with uh the vader dark visions i know um oh, yeah. that was kind of a, a an interesting series but uh it's always good to kind of especially now i think uh you know our trips to the comic book store have been truncated uh you know because of covid uh sometimes you know there's we wait weeks and weeks and weeks for for the new issue to come out and then sometimes you just kind of forget out of sight out of mind so um yeah hopefully uh people will uh, support their local comic book store and then uh check out the uh, trade paperback definitely always give your local comic book shops some love uh go visit those guys instead of the instead of the big boys the big boys aren't going anywhere but uh you know, you probably won't miss your local comic shop till it's gone. So make sure you give them some love. Uh, we talked about her before, Dr. Afra. We're right now we're in the uh, Fortune and Fate arc. Uh, that's written by Alyssa Wong. I'm not too familiar uh, with her other writing, um, but um, I think one of the issue, one of the problems, I shouldn't say issues, one of the problems with uh, Afra in the past has been, you know, uh, getting a consistent voice for her and for the stories. And I think uh, Alyssa Wong has done a good job with that. Uh, the The dialogue seems to be pretty natural right now, uh, and the uh, action scenes seem to be um, they they have a nice uh, kind of the original trilogy feel to them, uh, with a little comedy you know etched in there as well. Um, but uh, she's been uh, hired to find the Rings of Veil. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, uh, we've talked about her a few times, but she is an archaeologist, but she likes to get paid at the same time. So while others are trying to put things in museums, uh, like uh, Dr. Jones, uh, Dr. Affer is not. Uh, she's trying to make a, a few credits off of it. Um, and uh, she's been hired to find uh, find the Rings of Veil, which are ancient and powerful artifacts. Uh, what I like about this one is its ties to the original trilogy. Uh, somebody else that's after the Rings of Veil is uh, Ronan. Uh, Tagi, who's, you know, if you're familiar with the original trilogy, he's one of the highest up uh, Imperial officers. Um, I think it was General, right? General Tagi? I don't think it was General. Yeah. I think it was General. Um, but uh, Tagi's son, and uh, it connects it to the original trilogy. And also, he lives on Canto Bight, so you have some connections to the sequel trilogy with that. So I always love it when they're able to, you know, lace the whole thing together um, and make it like you're actually living in this universe. So um, you know, pick up Dr. Affer. It's fun. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Ro, I know that's not one of your favorite titles out there. It's not. Um, although I, I have picked up a couple and I'm glad to hear, uh, what you're saying about the dialogue and the action. You know, one of the things that kind of, uh, chaps my hide is when I, I pick up a, a story 
And there's a lot of rehashed original trilogy lines um, like, you know, like does everybody in the Empire say you can dispense with the pleasantries? Um, <laughs> stuff like that that kind of gets repeated and repeated and it's more really fan service than serving the the story arc. And that's one of the reasons I really enjoyed the Jedi Fallen Order uh, books. They were uh, smartly written and uh, expertly told. I think uh, for me, those uh, comic books were were really really great, and I, I think I was I was I can't remember which other title I was reading at the time, um, you know, side by side with Jedi Fallen Order, but uh, it, it it the other title definitely had one too many. You can dispense with the pleasantries type of lines that I'm like, oh my god, can anybody uh, think of any other lines to say other than that? Uh, and like I said, I think it's more, uh, you know, that's definitely like more fan service. They want to kind of you know tie that together. Um, but I think there's there's a, definitely a subtler way uh, of of connecting uh, those things, and I think uh, as you said, you know, Alyssa Wong. I think if if she's doing that in Afra, I think that's really really great. Yeah, Afra's. Uh, I think you'll you'll probably get this reference. Her interaction with established characters in the Star Wars universe is more like tag and bink. I mean, the they're, they're, the characters are are in there, but it's more from a. a comedic standpoint or original standpoint. I mean, she has interactions with Vader. I think Afra is one of those titles that has limitless potential because, you know, it's got its own universe. You can do whatever you want with it. I mean, there's these rings of veil are um, brand new to the star Wars universe, but they're, they're already interesting, you know, artifacts. It's just finding that right voice and finding that consistency with the creative team. So like you said, hopefully they found that. Um, and, and looking forward to, uh, there, there was a few storylines over the last couple of years that I couldn't wait to, or I could wait to get through them. I don't know. I don't know how I did make it through them. Uh, I think it's probably the best way to say, but th this one's a, a really fun. So, uh, now will be a good time to, uh, and, and the art is really nice in, in this book as well. So, uh, definitely check out Dr. Afra. Uh, speaking of Vader, Greg Pak is currently on Darth Vader. It used to be Charles soul on that one. Greg mm -hmm. Pack is actually doing a phenomenal job with Darth Vader. Right now we are in the dark heart of the Sith uh, story arc. And so at this point uh, in the Star Wars universe, Vader has found out that Luke is his son. Um, and while he's pissed off at uh, Palpatine for all the lies he's told him, uh, he's also pissed at Luke. He's pissed at himself. He's pissed at everybody who ever uh, basically aided and abetted Luke. So what he's going down, what he's doing right now is is hunting down anybody that's ever known or helped out Luke in one way or another. Um, and, uh, you know, one person he's come across in this is Sabe, who was one of uh, Queen Amidala's handmaiden. And uh, there turns out there is a lot of people that still support Padme. Uh, and, uh, you know, he has to go to a lot of painful places in this story arc, both physically, uh, mentally, and emotionally. He's taken to some pretty dark places. Uh, he's has to go to uh, Naboo. He visits her tomb on Naboo. Um, you know, Polis Massa, where the, uh, the, the asteroid uh, medical center, where the twins were born, he actually goes there. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it, it gets pretty dark and, you know, he, you know, he's having flashbacks. Of course, that's typical Vader, uh, you know, constantly living in the past. And that past just haunting him, um, and then him wanting to kill <laughs> kill everything about that. Um, so it's been pretty intriguing. He's also been uh, accompanied by a uh, Imperial forensics droid uh, Zed six seven. I'm not quite sure. I probably should know where that number came from, but I'm not quite sure what it might be referring to. But a kind of a sadistic, uh, uh, morbid forensics droid who kind of worships Vader at the same time. Um, that's a pretty interesting, I, I love it when they can make the droids interesting in these series, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, he's taken to some pretty dark places. Um, so it's a nice break. Yeah, of course there is some, some killing and some destruction in this series, but it's nice to see the psychological aspect of Vader being brought out. So, yeah, let me ask you this because, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of Darth Vader. He's my, uh, favorite character character of uh not just star wars but i think of all uh fiction here because i don't know he's just something about him but uh what do you think when they introduce 
these uh, really deep emotional sides of, of Vader. I mean, you know, he, he visits, he has flashbacks of Padme on Naboo. He starts to make that connection between his past and his present. You know, um, what do you what do you think about that? I know, you know, I've, I've said it in the past before, you know, when people are clamoring for a new Vader standalone movie, I'm always afraid that they will show Vader as too sympathetic. Um, I almost don't want to see Vader that way. I want Vader uh, to be this ruthless, you know, uh, Sith uh, enforcer, you know, hunting down the Jedi and, and, you know, you know, taking care of business, that sort of thing. I never want to see him. I never want to see Vader as a puss boy is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So what, what, what are your thoughts on, on introducing these types of, of like emotional elements to, to Darth Vader, the dark Lord of the Sith? Well, it's sort of a double-edged sword. Like you said, um, you know, at, on the one side, you don't want them, uh, over sympathizing or humanizing a villain who is intended to be, um, a straight up villain. Like, you know, we have all these Netflix series like that, you know, Ted Bundy, where you have Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy and, you know, um, trying to, uh, over explain why they were straight up evil. So you, you got to watch that. But on the other hand, it is nice to, imagine because you know all we have is that black mask you got you got no emotion out of that mask it is kind of nice to imagine what might be going on in the back of his head like during the movies like what is what is he thinking about are these memories haunting him right now as he's doing this um you know we we see his meditation chamber in empire strikes back you know what is he thinking about is he is he thinking about padme and how he screwed up royally uh, you know, 20 years earlier, are these the things that are still driving him? So yeah, it, it's nice to, to, to imagine what might be going through his head and what's tormenting him. But, uh, I, I, I agree with you. I don't want too, too much explanation as to why he's just a bad guy. That's why when, you know, when everybody starts watching star Wars, I always recommend starting off on episode four. Don't start off on the prequels. Um, cause then you see yeah. Anakin and all his whiny glory. You know, you want to start an episode four where he's a straight up badass and he, he he's an evil, you know, whatever, uh, and then go back as a flashback. So, yeah, it, it's a double edged sword. But the way they do it now, I, I think is pretty, uh, pr pretty good, pretty intellectual the way they present it in these comics. One other thing I wanted to mention is uh, the cover art on some of the uh, the brand new the Star Wars line has been uh, they've been pretty phenomenal. They've been you know artwork that is worthy of of being framed. A lot of them are obviously, but uh, this new series, this new Star Wars series, has been just f uh, great, great art. And I know uh, you know some of them have some multiple covers, but uh, each cover has been uh, really a a delight for the eyes. Yeah, and that's one part of being a collector. Uh, yes, I am, for, for anybody who's wondering, I am a sucker, and I will buy multiple covers of the same comic. Um, uh, I'll read the one with the, they call it either, you know, your A cover or your B cover. Uh, of course, now you have C and D covers, but, uh, you know, I'll read the A cover, and uh, I'll always keep the B, C, uh, you know, in, in the uh, package. But, uh, yeah, you know, uh, a lot of the ones over the last couple of years, they've been having the uh, alternate art with like the um, old Kenner uh, action figure covers as well. And uh, they're, they're, yeah. they're just fun. Uh, so that's the other reason to collect. Um, you know, if people are interested in collecting uh, rarely, unless it's uh, X-Men one from the 1990s uh, rarely do, or uh, as you've been posting on Twitter, the death of Superman uh, rarely will comics go down <laughs> in value. Uh, most times they'll always go up, so you can buy these, read them, enjoy them, and then put them away and forget about them, and uh, give them to your kids later on, and uh, they they go up in value. So that, that's another reason to go buy them. And uh, I'm not gonna say the best for last, but this main series, the Star Wars main series, has Charles Soule writing on them, and uh, I'm not gonna say I worship Charles Soule, but I think he is the best uh, writer on. Star Wars over the past, you know, five years or so, or since since Disney uh, purchased uh, Star Wars, I think Charles Soule has brought the most life 
and the most energy to it. And having him on the main series um, has been amazing. Uh, you know, there's a couple the the Destiny's Path arc just ended, and we're getting into a new one called uh, the Will of Tarkin. Of course, anytime you mention Tarkin, uh, I'm on board. Uh, but Destiny's Path was a nice way to reboot the Star Wars main series. Is what happened directly after Empire Strikes Back, after Luke loses his hand, finds out that Vader's his father, and his his entire universe is shattered. And uh, Luke trying to find meaning in, in all this, and you know, can he become a Jedi? Should he become a Jedi? Um, you know, he's looking all over the universe for for answers, and he's uh, coming up short in in, in a lot of uh, ways. So that this has been a good one. Um, there are High Republic uh, references in this one too. Luke stumbles upon an old uh, lightsaber uh, from that era. He also uh, finds a, a holocron from that era. Uh, it should be noted that he went for the lightsaber instead of the holocron, which kind of says a little bit about Luke at that time in his life. Later on, he would go for the holocron first, uh, no doubt. Um, what I really love about this, I don't want to totally give it away for anybody that wants to go out and buy this. Uh, I will just uh, say a certain line and people can figure it out and figure out the reference to it. There's a line in there that there are worse fates than death. So if you know what that's referring to, uh, you'll like a, uh, a certain cameo by a character you may have seen a couple years ago, but there are yeah. words. Yeah. And I love Romeo. that. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, definitely, uh, surprised to, to read that in your notes. I know it's, it's interesting too, because I'm so glad that they, uh, they brought Charles soul back because I really enjoyed his, uh, his initial Vader run. Obviously, uh, culminating into the events of, of the uh, the previous series with uh, Darth Vader number 25. I read that uh, probably a couple of different times, just trying to get, you know, some some insight into, you know, into Vader's mind, into how, uh, you know, how that character kind of uh, progressed after, um, you know, just I guess just dealing with being someone like Darth Vader. And I think Charles Soule, you're right. He he did such an incredible job with that story. I'm so glad that they brought him back for this. I'm uh, being very pleasantly surprised at uh, the new Star Wars line. And I think uh, he's doing a phenomenal job. Um, you know, you had uh, a question uh, early on that uh, I don't think we touched on regarding uh, these comic books and canon and how they how they fit into the overall story. And I think. Uh, you know, again, you don't have to really read all the the extra material to enjoy Star Wars as a whole, but I think it really definitely adds a lot more color to the story. I think it adds a lot more understanding uh, in order for you to be able to enjoy it on a deeper level. Um, you can enjoy it on any level you want, uh, obviously, again, but uh, just... Some of the stuff that Charles Soule has been introducing to to our you know galaxy far far away has been, been phenomenal. I think uh, this, you know, I I want to say if if you are on the fence about enjoying any of the comic books that we have mentioned, Star Wars, this main line with with uh, uh, with Charles Soule is definitely something that you uh, should really look into. I know they you know they go back to Cloud City. Um, for to, to look for a certain something, something, and something happens there. There's new characters introduced, and uh, it's it's really just fascinating. Just I love the way they interweave some of, the, I guess the the material that we're very familiar with. Kudos, we got to get him on the show, man. Oh yeah, I would love it. And you know, now that you mention it, uh, you know this current storyline that we're on um, really helps to explain um, the difference in Luke's character between Empire Strikes Back. Uh, and Return of the Jedi, because again, there's only supposed to be about six months or so, uh, you know, six months to a year between Empire and Return of the Jedi. And Luke is quite a different character in Return of the Jedi than he was in Empire. So these comics do help add and they might help explain, you know, how he's matured so much between five and six. Um, and uh, yeah, Charles, so, you know, one good thing, uh, I'm not at this point extremely excited about High Republic, but one reason I am excited about it is that Charles Soule will be on it. And I just saw some tweets from him today where he's going to continue to be on it uh, into the future. So excited for that for High Republic. 
very cryptic too did you see the tweet that he uh posted regarding you know uh, not knowing what us fans are 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 in store for i mean that gets you really if that doesn't get you excited yep that's big stuff big stuff coming down It's been great talking about comic books. Again, these are just four of the uh, titles that are out right now. There are a couple more, like I said, uh, Star Wars Adventures for for the kids. It's a those are a good gateway uh, gateway stories. I, I read them myself. I, I think they're fun. But uh, if you have kids uh, anywhere from ten years old and up, they will probably greatly enjoy Star Wars Adventures. Those are very easy to read. Um, and uh, yeah, Clone Wars. There's some. Uh, stories about those right now, but uh, give comic books a try. You can uh, either visit your comic book store. That's who we recommend. But uh, if you don't have one anywhere near you, obviously you can go to a bigger bookstore, get the trade ba- uh, paperbacks that we mentioned. You know, if you don't want to go every month and get an issue, you can wait till about six of them have come out. And then they're they're very quick. It used, you remember it used to take a while for these things to come out and trade paperback. Sure. Now that it's like yeah. as soon as that that series is over it's already in trade paperback so if you want to visit uh, your barnes and noble books a million whatever you have in your area or of course you can always use amazon uh pick up these stories in trade paperback and and give them a give them a read and, and see what you think and then let us know on twitter uh what you thought about the stories there's, there's good writing and there's great art as ro mentioned early uh earlier on so uh you know hit us up on twitter let us know what you think about these stories that we're talking about Definitely. I want to give a shout out to our local comic books. Uh, Brad, where do you go to get your books? Oh, man. I go to Soundwave Comics here in in, uh, Somerville, South Carolina, right outside Charleston, South Carolina. Visit Greg. Greg's an amazing guy. Visit Soundwave Comics here in Charleston, South Carolina. If you guys are in the area, do what Brad said. And uh, in Chicago, we got a couple of choices. Our home away from home, obviously, uh, having hosted uh, ScarifCon two years in a row, Alley Cat Comics, Celine over at uh, Alley Cat Comics. Always a great visit uh, in Andersonville. And uh, First Aid Comics on Taylor Street in Chicago. And the uh, very famous Graham Crackers Comics downtown Chicago. Also uh, one of our favorite places to go. But uh, definitely support your local comic book stores and uh, get your books. Go visit them. Tell them hi. And uh, get your Star Wars fix. We got time for some uh, Sentry Mode? This is Sentry Mode. I think we do, Brad. What do you got? I tried to find some questions specifically about the comic books, but uh, uh, as Ro knows, I I was really slacking on these show notes, so uh, I kind of cheated on these ones. And uh, uh, I got five questions for you, Ro, and uh, one bonus question. The bonus question is one that screwed me over uh, a couple years back at a Star Wars trivia that I was at, but you will probably have no problem with it. So that's the bonus question. But uh, let's get on with Sentry Mode. And no, I'm not singing it because I can't sing. You don't want to hear that. So first question of Sentry Mode. The Jedi Council consists of how many members? I want to say because of George Lucas's affinity to uh you know uh, anthropology and hum- humanity and history um i'm gonna i'm gonna say 12 because of you the apostles exactly correct with 12 nice, nice. i thought you're gonna say 13 or something on that one hey and then make sure when you're listening to this that you see how many of these you would get right and let us know tweet us let us know how many of these you got right including the bonus question question number two this one was interesting. Who kissed Leia first, Han or Luke? Who kissed Leia first? Running through my mind. Uh, uh, let's see. Everybody thinks about the kiss in The Empire Strikes Back after 
Luke was uh, coming out of uh, his little back to surgery. But um, I want to say Han because uh, maybe, maybe when they when they came back from destroying the first Death Star, they all got out and they were hugging, and the trio was you know you know high fiving everybody. And I think at that moment, uh, Leia went up to both uh, Han and Luke. But uh, I think Han might have snuck in a kiss before before Luke did, even in uh, Empire. That's uh, well, I think I'm going to say Han. My final answer. You would be right. However, so I guess you know it says who kissed Leia first, but it says without explanation Luke. Now I think it's you know one of those maybe who kissed who, but remember when they swung across the uh, the abyss there in the Death Star? Oh yeah. Right. She gave him the kiss, yeah. so I think that counts. So uh, sure. I think the official answer would be Luke on that one. But it might be up for debate. Gotcha. Question number three. What is the largest annual pod race in the galaxy? Don't think too hard about this The largest one. Bunta Eve. Yes, that's right. The Bunta Eve Classic. Yes. The Bunta Eve Classic is the largest annual pod race in the galaxy. I got season tickets. <laughs> you can't miss it. It's, I mean, you only see about five seconds of it the entire time, but you know, it's, it's worth it. <laughs> All right. We're, uh, we're going back to the Death Star, I guess. Uh, who was the last hey. one to jump down the Death Star's garbage chute? Um, I want to say it's, uh, it's Han because he was firing. He was kind of covering everybody's uh, descent and uh, got off uh, one or two final shots before jumping in and going, yeehaw! Yeah. That, was that in the original or did they add that later? No, I think it was in the original. Was it? It, it, it sounds like it, they, it was like artificial. Like they may have added that later. I don't know. That's, but yeah, after he uh, kicks Chewie's butt. To, there, we might have to do a little research. Yeah. yeah. All right. And the last question. Before your bonus question, what odds does C-3PO, actually, I think we've both been asked this one in the past, what odds does C-3PO give Han for successfully navigating the asteroid field? It was in the thousands. It was in the thousands. I'm not sure the exact number, and uh, I'm pretty good with numbers, too, because I think if anybody knows me, they can probably, you know, guess all my passwords. Since, uh, uh, since we were both asked that and we both, we, we got three out of four, right? When we asked that in the past, I, re- I just realized we were asked that in the past. I'll switch it out. How many languages does C-3PO know in The Force Awakens? In The Force Awakens? Is it an exact? Because I know he says uh, I'm familiar with over a million forms of communication. And well, normally it's six million. Normally it says six million. Okay. But in The Force Awakens, it got up to 7 million. So I guess he, uh, he downloaded an extra million. I don't know how that works. Sure. He just downloaded it or what, but yeah. yeah. But uh, the answer to the original question was 3,720 to 1. To 1. There yes. you go. All right, and your bonus question, the one that screwed me over a couple of years ago. What language? Now this is a now – now, now I know where they got this question from. What language, and we're talking about real life language, our language, Earth language, what language are the words written on Darth Vader's chess piece in? Oh, I want to say, so in in universe, it's Arabish. Yes. Well, yeah. So I, I don't know what it's, I, I got to look back at this, but uh, yeah, what in our world, what language is that actually? on his on his chest it's an it's an old i think it's it's an old hebrew script manuscript at that trivia contest because uh yeah i couldn't think of what it was and actually they weren't specific as to whether it was uh the star wars universe or our universe um so i think i said sith because i thought they were you know it was they were talking about theirs but they were talking about ours but yeah it's ancient hebrew is what's on his chest so good job. Totally redeem yourself. This is Sentry Mode. But uh, for those listening, Excellent. let us know how you did on Sentry Mode. How many of those six questions, five, six, seven questions, however many I asked. Let us know how you did. Give us a tweet. Let us know how you did on Sentry Mode. 
If you want more Star Wars trivia, check out sporkle.com slash games slash subcategory slash Star Wars. That's S-P-O-R-C-L-E dot com. Thank you, Scarif Control, and may the Force be with you. Tons of fun, our little sentry mode Q&A. Hey, I love those. Next uh, next episode, I'll have a series of, uh, of questions for you, Brad, on our sentry mode. And uh, speaking of sentry mode, uh, last episode, we announced our giveaway for the uh, Darksabers. And uh, I hope you guys listened to that. If you're uh, skipping ahead and you entered the Darksaber uh, giveaway, the hashtag Gimme My Darksaber contest, uh, you know, do a little rewind and check out that episode and see if you were the winner. Um, I know uh, we had a lot of entries and uh, it was a lot of fun. I was able to pick up two dark sabers and uh, we gave them away. And if your name was that episode and you have not direct messaged us, please do so because they're just sitting here collecting dust. They need to be they need to be uh, sent to a new home so you can rule Mandalore in the proper manner. Two more weeks and they get sent to me. So let us know. <laughs> there you go. Thank you again, everybody, for joining us on this special comic book edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. If you are just finding us, thank you very much for joining us. Take a look at our back catalog. We've got a couple of episodes that I know you will enjoy. The Scare of Scuttlebutt found on podcatchers everywhere. I hope you find us. Just search Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. Yep. Just remember, you know, it's uh, always best to... Read your comic books outside because it is always sunny on Scarif. And that is the Scuttlebark. Hey, Star Wars fans and friends of the podcast, don't forget to leave the guys a voicemail for a chance to be included in the discussion. Let them know what's on your mind. Call 773-234-8659. And that's the Scuttlebutt. Scuttlebutt.